0: We don't move in our own direction. We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, Serious Doctors for Serious Injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Eastern, Stern, Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with, with Philly Labor. Labor.
1: Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A good Saturday evening uh, to all of our listeners and welcome into what will be a very, very special uh, program tonight here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. As we come to you uh, live from the Sinesta, it is our opening uh, roundtable conversation. Uh, but before we do that, we begin our live broadcast tonight. We send thoughts uh, and prayers to the family of Local 405 member and Local 98 member, Attorney Pat B. N. Cooley, whose 16 year old grandson, Salvatore uh, Denobli, a St. Joe's Prep student, member of the hockey team, uh, and his friend, Khalir Miller uh, from Mastery Charter, uh, both shot and killed. On Tuesday evening uh, in South Philadelphia, uh, we begin our show again, Jay Doc, with a heavy heart. And I just want to read a short note uh, that was put out by John Doherty from Local 98. It, it is with a very heavy heart uh, to inform all of the tragic death of Pat Biancoli's grandson, Sal Uh, DeNubli. uh Pat Biancoli is IBEW Local 98's in-house attorney, uh, who many of you know. Sal was murdered. Uh, on Tuesday night in South Philadelphia. Sal was 16 years old. He attended St. Jones Prep. He was a junior uh, at the prep, and he was also uh, a member of the hockey team, a very kind, respectful, uh, and loyal son, grandson, and friend. A tough way to start the show, Jay, Doc. Necessary, of course, uh, to recognize uh, and begin this show with a heavy heart.
2: Absolutely. Pat Bianco, he's one of the great people in labor, Um, certainly a great friend of ours, and uh, our hearts... Our prayers, our thoughts, everything go out to Pat and his family, uh, just unthinkable.
1: Tough week in Philadelphia, tough week for the St. Joe's Prep community, uh, and also a tough week. Uh, for everyone uh, involved uh, in that tragedy, again that occurring uh, on Tuesday night, we welcome everyone in to Talk Radio twelve ten uh, WPHT. We've uh, all gathered tonight uh, for Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio twelve ten uh, for our Labor Leader Roundtable uh, conversation tonight, presented by uh, Pon Lahaki and Sam Pon is with me up here uh, along with Jay Doc Sam. Welcome into the show this evening. Uh, tough way to start uh, the broadcast. Um, but I welcome you and I thank well, you. Well,
3: thanks, here. Joe. And um, <clears throat> Pappy and Cooley, and my condolences and sympathies and thoughts are w- and prayers are with the B. and Cooley family. And um, there's no greater friend to labor that's worked tirelessly uh, throughout its career, literally taking calls at midnight, helping union members with their legal needs. Uh, Pappy and Cooley, in, in horrible loss, and Tanky is, is the oldest grandson of that family. Uh, in the Danubli family, um, just terrific, and
1: uh, we love you, Pat, and we love uh, the Cooley family.
2: Well said, Sam.
1: Good stuff. Well said by Sam Pond, our founder uh, and managing partner uh, of Pond Lahaki. Let me introduce our lineup of labor leaders uh, who are here uh, tonight for what should be a great show, a first of its kind, uh, J. Doc. You know what, J. Doc, I'll let you do the honor uh, of introducing all of the labor leaders who are here. We're also joined by Pennsylvania State Representative. We'll introduce Morgan in just a moment, but I'll give you the honor and give you the ability sure. to start. This
2: is a, a, a groundbreaking uh, opportunity for us to engage with our la- labor leadership um, at what we're calling a uh, a labor leaders round table and it also engages our political leaders and our and our city officials um, and so and and Sam Pond actually uh it was his concept and we thought it was one of the great ideas and so uh really excited about having everybody here i'm happy to have Jim Gartler, president CWA 13000 Fred Wright president ASME DC 47 uh Kevin Boyle business manager Ironworkers Local 401 uh Rich Labor <laughs> Richie Razor, Deputy Mayor for Labor City of Philadelphia, uh, and, of course, Morgan Sebus, uh, PA State Rep, the 192nd Legislative District, and, of course, uh, co-hosting the show with you and I tonight is Sam Pond, founding, uh, founder and managing partner at Pond Hockey. So I want to welcome everybody. I want to thank you for being here Um Certainly a groundbreaking opportunity and and uh we're gonna we're gonna hear it from all, all sides. We have public unions, private unions, and we're gonna do this every month. So I wanna thank everybody for being here and welcome you all to the show.
1: All right, good stuff. Before we get started, j Doc, I'll let you start with the topic, but before uh, we do that. I do want to uh, send a big shout-out out to the Sinesta Hotel uh, for hosting us here tonight, 1800 Market Street in Center City, Philadelphia, a union hotel, a union supporter uh, of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. So
2: we've got a lot going on in, in the city of Philadelphia. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, we've, we, we've, we've talked about it many times, but I want to start off a little bit about... Um, you know, some of the things going on just this, this week. Um, so there's been, uh, you know, last week, as we, uh, Pat Eiding and talked about um, a situation with uh, Senator uh, Tony Williams aligning himself with, with State Senator Scott Wagner um, in regards to uh, the soda tax. Um, and, uh, you know, he took, he, he took the fight to Harrisburg and he aligned himself with somebody who was, um, couldn't be more against our union community here. Uh, and did not, you know, look at the soda tax, uh, you know, in a well-rounded fashion. I wanted to kind of, um, Richie, like, you know, you know, lay in a little bit on 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 how important the soda tax is to us and what the and what the benefits are, um, you know,
4: to our children. Yeah, definitely. I remember being on the uh, first show and you guys had asked me. It was right after we had passed the soda tax it was a signature piece for the mayor I mean it really focuses on three things it really is all in our youth but it's about rebuild about redoing our rec centers and, and libraries and parks which are a lot of them need overhaul a lot of them haven't been fixed for for over 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, Pre-K for our kids it's to give them a great start a foundation to start their learning career and community schools to infuse all type of social services inside of our schools I mean our school. What we want to do is turn these schools in our neighborhoods as community centers and make adults able to go there for for education, for make you know job training, and also make it a, a, an all day open community center for all our kids. So it's important for us to focus on that, and it's a big piece of the mayor's term. Big piece of our administration.
1: What's the point of the story, J-Doc? Tony
4: Williams is
2: against the soda sort of tax and couldn't get any support here in the city, so we went and aligned himself with um, somebody who's been so anti union. That it's almost unprecedented, plus uh, Wagner's going to be running uh, as a Republican uh, for governor, likely, uh, against Governor Wolf. So, I mean, it's, it's it's uh, you know, it's like almost appalling that he would do something like that. Uh, it also, it, as part of that discussion, we talked about the diversity issue, Kevin Boyle with the Ironworkers. Um you know, we talked about, uh, you know, a big part of the initiative is a, diverse, a diversity mm-hmm. issue. And, and there's no denying, obviously, in the, you know, the building trades. It's a commitment that we're making. It's been an issue. Um, how important is that issue? Uh, and and uh, what is the commitment to, you know, accomplishing our goals?
5: Well, I appreciate you guys having me here because I'm fairly new to all this. <laughs> so uh, what it is is a – Am I talking too loud, Jeff? Yeah, was, I really a, don't need he's the a microphone. You right? got, got the you compressor? I mean? <laughs> we're
1: we're <laughs> good. You, you, you keep going. Right,
5: <laughs> so what it is, is uh, it, beca- it was a um, an agreement between the city, the building trades, um, the colleges with Drexel and University of Bend, Madison, to help uh, high school kids come in right out of high school to start looking into the trades. Which is a good thing. It's a good business thing, but it's good for the neighborhoods, to me, because they need more help than anything. I should know. My wife's a school teacher for mm-hmm. thirty-three years.
2: Well, the so, interesting thing, and 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 so, uh, uh, what was it? Scott Wagner said there was. And listen, and, and and we talked about. It, and uh, Morgan, if you if you want to jump in, yeah.
6: I mean, um, I. Yes, we recognize the diversity issue in labor, but there's also a diversity in the tech industry. There's also a diversity issue in the automotive industry. And, you know, I'm, I come from a line of politics where it's always easy to point out the problem, but it's always difficult to find a solution. And I feel like, you know, people on the other side of the aisle um, don't know how to lead when they need to. I mean, Senator Scott Wagner has been there for some time now, and if we are still having the conversation he's kind of also a part of the problem and you know to the labor unions to their credit have been you know working hard to address that and I think we have a lot of great projects a lot of great programs um, to be able to build that pipeline I mean the diversity and workforce development pipeline issue even came up with Amazon with the tech industry so it's not just you know labor but it's across the board and we need to do a better job and you know I do applaud um, Mayor Kenny, I was going to call him Councilman Kenny, (laughs) Um, but I do applaud Mayor Kenny for really stepping up to the plate and coming up with a, um, a policy that will impact Philadelphia, yes, but that's, you know, ultimately because Harrisburg is not doing its job, which Mm-hmm. Has uh, Senator, you know, Wagner been a part of that? Um, not doing his job in providing the adequate funding for education that we need. And it requires for counties to get creative, and that's what our mayor did. And
1: just for the benefit of our listening audience, Morgan is Pennsylvania State Representative of the 192nd Legislative District. Uh, State Rep. Morgan Cephas, thank, thank you. you very much thank for you, weighing thank you, thank in. Thank Fred you. Wright, let me come to you. President of Ask Me DC 47, let me come to you and ask you to weigh in, uh, on, that, weigh
7: in on that very conversation. Good, good evening, everybody. I'm glad to be here. With my other participants on this panel, um, my union, after DC 47, supported the soda tax. And we support it for several reasons. Number one, we support it because um, our members um, work in the libraries, our members mm-hmm. work in the rec centers, man the rec centers, and they need a safe and healthy um, w- facility working. Plus, we see it as a quality of life issue. Um, when you look around the neighborhood of Philadelphia, um, just last week they had the Clover Erection, a very Erection, I believe. Exactly. Because up, yeah. we, it was um, in, in poor condition. Um, so when you talk about the quality of life in these neighborhoods, where kids, um, the only outlet to go to Erection or go to the library, they need to be a safe, healthy, and adequate facility working. Um, plus, we also started with job creation. So when the preschool, um, I believe the city opened up thousands of seats for preschool. So yeah, again, that. 2000, so they, they required um, hiring pre- certified preschool teachers um, to maintain, to maintain those, those centers. So again, we sort of a win-win for us, a win-win for the community. So how can, you know, a politician, um, you know, be against um, that? I mean, I don't know. But as Morgan said, they even throw stones at things rather mm-hmm. than come up with, with ideas to fix them.
8: And, and Fred, you touched a nerve there personally for me. You, you picked out a rec center that actually was in my yeah. neighborhood where I grew up. Where it was like a pillar to the community, where it brought people together to, you know, help build families and do things together. And with that not being there anymore, I just can't imagine the impact that's going to have to for people that are living and growing up in that neighborhood now.
1: Sam, opinion?
8: Well, I, uh, you know, the the my
3: my comment on on first of all, I'm honored to be here with with public servants and public officials that are dedicating uh, their time to uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and also the city of Philadelphia. and The city of Philadelphia, I think, is on a cusp of, of really doing great things and we all have to get behind this and work in it. And labor clearly is part of this growth and part of that, the fabric um, or the mosaic of going forward. Uh, it's a very important part. Um, and also honored to be here and privileged to be with union labor leaders that, uh, quite frankly, are making great sacrifices in order to, to continue this fight. I'd really feel like to follow up with the diversity issue because r- really we have to, we have, we have a city that's very diverse. Um, and I'm on a number of boards uh, where we have, to, we have to engage the diversity and really make it a top priority. I'm not talking about window dressing here. Not, that's not the point. We're not, we're not having a person of color or, or gender. a gender sitting at, or, or, or sexual orientation sitting at the table just because of that. We we have some really really great people with substance that have to start participating and giving the opportunity to participate. W- our firm was was listed with Client Inspector as the number one div- firm as far as diversity in in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. All right, and I have two women that are now going to go on the board with me. Um, One's an African-American woman, and I'm going to tell you what, she's competitive, she's a leader, she's a great manager, she's a great great attorney, great professional. She's got to come in and get a seat at the table and to be heard. Her voice has got to be heard. And it, we've got to do more on this. We are. We, this city has to have full participation from everybody. Um, and, and quite frankly, that's one of my real concerns, and we've got to get the message out, and we really have to do more about it
2: interesting uh, because when you were talking about Wagner uh, Wagner's comment was the building trades had zero African Americans mm-hmm. I mean Ryan Boyer that was news to him yeah <laughs> uh,
6: but wow, uh, big news but but,
2: but but you know listen at the same time uh, there's no denying that you know the, the, that there are issues and there's commitments listen what what
5: Senator Scott Wagner does he's just like Trump mm-hmm. he attacks any bad information coming out and he'll run it to the hill Because that's what people want to hear. And listen, when I look at Senator Scott Wagner, yeah, I don't know him personally, but I think he's anti-Philly. Anything in anti-Philly, he's against. You know why? Because our people go out and vote, and our people pick who we want to be here, and who's 99% of us live in this city Mm -hmm. at one time or another, or work, pay taxes, and do whatever we have to do. But that guy, he just doesn't care. I he's a
2: multi-millionaire, and, he, and by the way, he's probably been to Philly a handful of times in his life, so I can see why he cares so much but about what the people in North Philadelphia, you think. So hey, why would you align yourself with him? Exactly.
1: Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on <laughs> Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. We'll take our first commercial break on the big show. We thank all of our uh, listeners for tuning in on a Saturday night. It's Saturday Night Live on Philly Labor, right here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Back in a moment.
0: I won't participate on behalf of ourselves here at Local 98 or the Philadelphia Building Trades in conversations that are purely dominated on social issues that don't affect our jobs.
1: Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT as we broadcast to you live from the Senesta Hotel. It's a special Labor Leader Roundtable conversation tonight. Uh, from the Sinesta, don't forget, coming up at 8 o'clock, go into the night with Dan Loney. Dan, from 8 to 11, right here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD.
2: So we have an election coming up, and, and there's a, a lot of exciting races. Uh, uh, before we get into the races, I'd like to talk to, to the labor leaders uh, about the importance of, of uh, getting involved in, in the political process. Uh, and and, uh, getting our members engaged in the political process, especially when we're not talking about a major election. There's no president, there's no governor, there's no mayor. Uh, Jim Gartler, uh, you you know, you have a 5,000-person member uh, union across Pennsylvania. Um, Number one, how important and what a priority is is, uh, the the political process, and how do you get your members engaged?
8: I, I think the biggest part in this time of the year and when you have elections like this is talking to them about the candidates who are running and assure them that we're vetting out the candidates and we're looking for candidates that actually support our issues, that we're not looking for candidates. We want the, Like in, in the case of now, the judicial elections taking place in the state of Pennsylvania, we want candidates that understand labor, working men and women values. And if they can understand our values, if something comes before them, then those people will understand why this is important to the people in the state of Pennsylvania. And when I talk to my members, I, I make it a point to explain to them. We're not pushing candidates based on other issues that they look at, whether it's guns or other issues. It's about how it's going to impact their livelihoods, how it's going to impact their families, not only today but in the future. So that's something we think is real important. When we put that out there, we get them involved with that process and we point out what some of the candidates have done for us over the years to help us in the state of Pennsylvania. Fred?
7: Well, you know. First, I believe every election is an important election. I mean, they're, to me, there's no off the election. I mean, because every election, um, whether people understand it or not, it impacts their lives. Um, right now, you're talking about the DA Reef and control of Reef. Well, um, for my members, you the control of Reef control of the pension fund. And, you know, so that's very, very dear um, to us. Um, you know, so how? controller comes in and invest our money and make sure the pension is fully funded. That is extremely important. The DA's race um, when something happened like it happened in St. Louis, um, where that person was was gunned down, and you have to make a decision to prosecute the the officer or not. Um, the district attorney will make that call. So you can't get mad after the fact. You gotta get you got to get educated to the fact to make sure. If Jim said a person you put in there are recognized where they come from, recognize the community they represent. So, um, you know, when people say, you know, there's no um, important election, you know, every election before a state rep is sitting there right now, um, they decide on your taxes every day. So um, people need to get out the apathy. Okay, and get involved in the civic responsibility and in each election.
3: Well, well, I'm going to chime in on that because, it, you know, while we were sitting around waiting to go on the air, we talked about a lot of different things, and, and I, I really think we have to start getting more of our young folks and even our old folks civically engaged and educated about their responsibility as citizens. We really do. Mm-hmm. People have to understand what a collective bargaining agreement is, number one, but they also have to understand we have to be registered to vote. Your voice, to have it, don't complain. You're almost not allowed to complain if you're not registered to vote and actually participate in that sacred right to have your voice heard via a vote. The other thing people have to be very mindful of is exactly what it is that they're voting for. So we we need to have people understand that the judicial races are extremely important. The Commonwealth Court is a very overlooked court, yet the Commonwealth Court deals with things like voting rights. We've had many challenges. The voting rights with ID was going to eliminate a lot of minorities' ability to vote. It was targeted for minorities. People have to understand the three different branches of government. One of the things that we should be doing on this radio program and all the listeners is to give them a civic education, not only about labor, but also about being a citizen. What are the three branches of government? The executive, whether it's the governor, whether it's the president, the legislative, the Senate and the House, and we have a House member here today in, the, in our, our General Assembly for, for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And then we have the judiciary. The judiciary is very much under under attack. Why is it under attack? Because we have a president that understands that if I can eliminate the checks and balances of the courts, I may be able to go roughshod with my policies. The courts are there to protect and make sure that one branch doesn't get overwhelming to make sure that things are constitutional we have to educate union members we have to educate listeners we have to educate the citizens of the commonwealth and the city of philadelphia about exactly what government's about and what their civic duty Where's is. Where's the disconnect?
6: I mean I think it's um, I mean to your point it's where policy meets people and I feel like as elected officials um, I've only been in 10, in ten months so you know, cut me a break um, as electives, we fail at that sometimes, connecting the policy everyday issue to, you know, your beliefs or your everyday experience. So just take the district attorney's race. I mean, we talked about it. I mean, criminal justice reform is a big issue right now. I mean, and rather you come from it as you know, having experience with the criminal justice system, your family having experience, or one of the ways that we find bipartisanship is talking about the criminal justice system from a fiscal perspective. So when we're locking people up for minor offenses and it's literally costing us over a hundred thousand dollars a year that becomes a problem fiscally when we're scratching scrapping behind the couches increasing every tax there we're trying to tax the air (laughs) to cover our budget shortfalls where we just look at our criminal justice system where we can right size that and that's where our district attorney comes in
2: and it's interesting because, and that you know, and we get into the criminal justice system. Obviously, that's a different show. But let me say this: mm-hmm. obviously, that I- I- is a big part of of the DA's race right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: but I also think the mayor Kenny re- recognized mm-hmm. that issue very, oh, yeah. very early With on. Decriminalization. Not, not, not only not only for the fiscal aspect of it, but for the social consequence mm-hmm. of it to citizens mm-hmm. that we're having. Possibly their lives
6: ruined
4: because I mean of some just, sort of minor effect. It's
6: like a, it's a rippling effect. You know, someone in prison, we're paying someone coming out of prison if they have yeah, a exactly. record. Oh, you yeah. They're relying yeah, on social You have somebody this.
4: waiting for bail who can't afford bail stuck in prison, mm-hmm. stuck in stuck up upstate road when somebody who can afford bail get out and now out, out mm-hmm. walking on the street, and that person is going to be stuck in jail because they're never going to be able to pay. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of a class thing, too. All I mean right, so the picking on people who are... Who are oh, no, listen, I and totally... Have a 26% agree. poverty rate in this city. You uh know, Kevin Boyle...
5: Our biggest problem is we're taking, well, when we take our members in and our older members, we're really not looking at the social part of it. We're looking at who's going to drive our agenda, Mm -hmm. right? So as as labor leaders and, you know, we can talk about civic like we're going to do for the neighborhoods and stuff like that, but most of the time we get to push our point is at the meetings and over the Internet and stuff like that. But most of our guys are looking at it like, oh, how much are we giving this guy today?
2: You know what and, I mean? and I was going to ask you that question, it's specifically you, because, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this many times. But let me just say this, you know, engaging union members. OK, I'm an iron worker. So, uh, you know, so listen, I was a rank and file guy and, you know. Um, And part of the conversation, one of the things I said was getting your members engaged. Uh, Morgan, you and I talked on the phone about that different, you know, and there's a ton of topics like right to work and all those things. And Sam talks about them a lot. But the problem is. You know, and I say this, I was, and I was absolutely, you know, a lot of the young people coming in, um, you know, I mean, they're focused, I mean, they get families, and you're busy, and you're trying to, you know, pay your mortgage and get a house and all those things, and you don't realize that if you don't vote, you're, you, Johnny Doc said it better than anybody I, I, I know, and he said, we're getting legislated out of our ability to work, or uh, out of our work, guess what, that's because our members our, you know, our, our young members aren't relating the fact that this vote right here is a vote for somebody who's either going to support you or go against you. Then you're going to be sitting in the day room someday without a job blaming the business manager up there when you didn't vote.
5: Well, as soon as we take an apprentice class in, the first thing they do is sign up to vote. That is the first thing. Before they before they even get paid their uh, 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 apprentice month, they have to fill out the vote registration. Absolutely, and, and we push that. My my biggest agenda is I have so much coming at you, uh, who's who, what's that? Mm-hmm. Like everybody meets up at stocks for some reason, yeah. right? <laughs> so, and then if I, I don't know them, and if, don't, and if I don't if I don't engage it with them, it has. I have a hard time giving somebody a member's money if I don't know who they are. Just because you're a D doesn't mean you get mm-hmm. the money.
6: Oh, well, you know I what you
5: I mean, and that's I mean, my biggest.
6: And that's why I think it's important, again, for elected officials um, when it's an off election season to come out to your members and talk through what is happening in on the legislative landscape. And uh, you know, when we we're looking at issues like right to work, like paycheck protection, I was like literally watching a show the other day and it talked about how ten years ago there was, you know, some type of firm in the middle of the country that wanted to change a lot of our states into the different direction, change it from D's to Rs. And, you know, they had a somewhat of an anti, you know, labor movement going on and they sure. were successfully yeah. able to do yeah. that, which is one of the reasons why the election yeah. is important because the Commonwealth Courts determines redistricting.
4: Yeah, and sure. I, th- I think you're right. I think Captain sure, had said this earlier when we, before the show started we have to do a better job promoting mm-hmm. our causes like the rep said paytech paycheck protection you would think oh, oh. No, we got to protect our. That's taking the workers' rights away. Mm-hmm. And and it, Sam had said it. We got to do a better job at promoting what our what members mm-hmm. want and what they need and what's going to protect them in the future for their retirement. Because what Sam is saying is we're speaking their language. Exactly. What they did was they got deceptive. We mm-hmm.
2: call it, by the way, paycheck deception. Yes, exactly. I saw. Okay. That. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, so when you're sitting there, and Sam, Sam said it many times, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is. Who's not going to r- vote for right to work? It sounds like a great thing.
5: <laughs> well, the biggest thing is, is and when, well, when we, we know it's not, when yeah. we won the White House in 2008 with the Barack, that Karl Rove went to the townships mm-hmm. and started attacking that way. That's why you have in the the House up there. Mm-hmm. That's why you have a hundred and some members. They have the majority. Because that's how they did it. And they well, did it well, in well, preparation a, 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 for 2010
6: for redistricting.
7: Absolutely. Well, Kevin, I mean, that's where you get into, well, I'm only voting presidential election. So my members are not voting presidential election. Well, again, it's more important than presidential election. The state races right. exactly. are very because They don't want to set the laws in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, right here in Philadelphia, they tr- they passed the um, sick leave bill. Mm-hmm. That were preempted in Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, again, you talking about 10 days for a person um allowed personal offer sick. Now again in the restaurant industry, that very important you don't want someone serving food to you have a cold, okay. have the flu. But again in Harrisburg they overturn that law. Um and once again, so if you had a majority in Harrisburg, that law wouldn't have been overturned. But again, that's people's Engagement on the, on a local level.
3: And it's people's engagement in in generally. And we talk about we talk about what well, I'm going to follow up with what Kevin's talking about. The last words. 60 <laughs> and seconds. W- people have to start understanding what gerrymandering and redistricting is. Okay. Mm. We have a million more Democrats. And, and b- by the way, we're you know we're listening to both sides, and especially with labor. If you're if you're if you're going to listen to collective bargaining issues and, 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 and protect our ability to collectively bargain, it doesn't matter what party you are. Mm-hmm. But the gerrymandering issue is a big issue, and, and, and North Carolina has now had the Supreme Court designated 9 to 0, an anonymous decision, all right, that what their gerrymandering was was racially targeted. Wisconsin has a supermajority, a supermajority. In the last election, for the Republicans, the last election they had a million more Democrats vote. What kind of democracy is that? It's not. The Democrats have lost 962 legislative seats since the last census because of gerrymandering. It's basically having the elected officials telling the population how to vote. That's how it's supposed to be.
1: Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable conversation uh, tonight live uh, from the Sonesta Hotel. We'll take a commercial break. Uh, we'll continue uh, and introduce you to our entire panel again when we come back. Back in a moment.
0: I've been coming out of that with them guys. Okay? And I mm-hmm. was a treasure to the Democratic Party. You know, I've been a loyal Democrat my whole life. But I've told people, and hasn't yet, like I told you, it just didn't resonate with this election. If you look at the last few years, I've been telling people we have to become a little bit more individual. We have to be more of our own brand. Mm-hmm. We have to do a better job of becoming a business.
1: Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk, Radio 1210 WPHC. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to our special Labor Leader Roundtable Conversation. Tonight, as we come to you from uh, the Senesta Hotel, Sam Pond, the founder and managing uh, partner of Pond La Hockey, joining me along with Jay Doc, uh, also a part of the roundtable tonight, Jim Gardler, uh, president of CWA 13,000, uh, right? 13,000. Right. Jim, thanks for being here. Nice to have uh, you in the room. Fred Wright, president of ASME DC 47. Fred, well done. I hope you enjoyed your meal at the Senesta tonight. Thank you very much. We'll uh, be back tomorrow. Uh, so uh, Kevin Boyle, <laughs> uh, here early today, and we thank you, Kevin, for coming out from Iron Workers Local 401. Thank you very much, Kevin, uh, for getting here. Rich Lazor, the deputy mayor for labor uh, for the city of Philadelphia, is with us as well. Rich, appreciate uh, Nice having you back on the program. And uh, Pennsylvania State Rep. Morgan Cephas is joining us uh, in the room uh, as well. And, Morgan, it's nice to have you, uh, you. as part of the program as well.
2: So we're talking about the um, the, the legislative uh, situation or certain legislation, talking about anti, anti-worker legislation, and we just got a, a Senate bill uh, that actually, I believe, passed uh, S- Senate Bill 936, um, and so Sam's going to tell us what that, you know, what that means, uh, but Sam's just going through what, what I think us and Labor go through all the time, and that is, uh, you know, uh, the way they hit you low and then hit you high, and then hit you low, and so uh, Sam is the the foremost um, defender of, of uh, injured workers' rights in in, in Pennsylvania. So uh, yeah, I guess the strategy is to knock them down and then just throw the legislation back on the table, which is what they did. So Sam, you want to give everybody uh, kind of an understanding of 936? Yeah,
3: 936 uh, came out of the. Blew very quickly this week um, and uh, within a couple of days, are very unusual because there's not really any kind of public discourse about the contents of it. Um, it passed the Senate last night um, and it's going to go over the House. 936 is something that we've talked about on this show time and time again. It's, it's simply the Senate version of House Bill 18, which we beat in June. Um, and uh, also a version of House Bill 1800, which we beat in June of 2016, which was um, uh, the uh, evidence-based medicine. So uh, a little history there, Joe, and that's kind of where we're we're at with with Senate Bill 936. 936 will take away if you're injured on the job, no matter who you are, whether you're a union member or you're not a union member. If you're a president of a company and you're an employee, or if you're, you know cranking it out as a a maintenance worker. If you get injured on the job, you're not going to get any medical care. And we're talking about the PR aspect, whether it's right to work or whatever the other terms that they're using, entitlements, whatever it may be. And this is now being – it was an, an opioid bill back in the spring of this year. Now it's a drug formulary bill. And this is really a gutting all medical care when you're injured on the job. Woke up one day, went to work, got crushed by a crane, um, my life is over. I'm 40 years of age. I have three kids, a couple kids in parochial school, a kid in college. I was making 2500 Now I'm stuck at $900 a week. I lost my annuity. I lost all my medical. I lost my life. I might lose my wife, and I may end up doing something really tragic as we see time and time again. Injured workers in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania since 1915 gave up the sacred right to pursue damages in exchange for the scheme of workers comp, in exchange for a weekly check that has no cost of living adjustment and for medical. They gave up that sacred right and now it's being taken away. Why? It's not about a drug formulary. You want to talk about a drug formulary? We try to sit down and talk about a drug formulary. You want to talk about someone owning a pharmacy? Fine. It's about the process of taking all their medical care away. That's the bottom line. And if I don't have medical care for my my clients, they can't get better and get back to work. And guess what? They also know the insurance industry.
2: I don't have a medical expert. So if I have a denied case, I don't have an expert. I don't have a case because you're only getting denied based on a medical opinion of of a panel doctor.
6: Yeah, and I think that's the that's the ultimate challenge is <clears throat> when you come up to Harrisburg, you see who's on the side of big business versus who's on the side of the working families. And you know, it's not an entitlement. Um, it's not an entitlement or anything. It's you know something that you've earned over the years through your paycheck, and you have that right to you know feel protected by the your employer that you're employed by. And I think that's where you know they get tricked challenging with the um, with the narrative and you know we've had a couple of hearings the Labor and Industry Committee on the House side and you know when we ask these type of tough questions to the insurance companies that are before us you know sometimes we you know get a little contentious with our counterparts and get a little shut down a little bit but you know it's really important that we hammer home the importance of making sure that we get this right and not to put business before working families
3: You you know it's like every other issue every other issue whether it's labor or civil justice, why are we always on the defense? Yeah. Why are we always trying to make, uh, explain ourselves and defend ourselves? When we have, we have the message, we're representing worker folks that are just the middle class. Why are we always defending the rights of the middle class that are the backbone of fighting our wars, building our buildings? Why are we always trying to defend them against the people who are just worried about profits?
7: Well, because Sam, you know, I really think that, that we're in a capitalistic society, and people value um, money and profit over lives. And whether you look at the education system, whether you look at the um, medical system, um, whether you look at e- even basic social services, you know, we, we always chase the profit rather than investing in people. Um, and you, you see that time and time and time again. You know that bill, but well, that bill is designed to do the same: is deny people medical coverage who injured on a job. Period. 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 They're trying to deny people medical coverage. So again, when you get hurt, you're either either forced to give up your job or forced to go back to work time and time again. And we see that all the time in, in our industry, that people are forced to go to work when they're injured because they want you on the job.
6: And they're also, you know, making an attempt to capitalize, if you can ever even think that you can, off of the opioid crisis. When they try to point to, you know, a chronic issue that even, you know, number 45, I'll call them, uh, has pointed is like a health epidemic across the country. To hide behind that issue, to take advantage of, you know, a real epidemic that we have to address strategically through something you like to call a formula win you essentially also created the problem that this is not the correct way, and it again is attack on workers. You know,
3: representative, it's such a good point because they created the problem, and and, and it's unconscionable, it's unconscionable, almost immoral, mm-hmm. to try to take someone's benefits and rights away to pers- to have medical treatment under the guise of the opioid epidemic Mm -hmm. that is killing and destroying families. It's unconscionable. Who does that?
6: I had a colleague the other day tell me because, um, you know, I'm not personally too familiar with the issue, but, you know, just trying to get a better understanding. um, A colleague of mine had told me from western Pennsylvania, I'm like, how many people in your county have, you know, been impacted by opioids? He literally told me in one day, 48 people overdosed. And it's just the magnitude of the issue. But here
3: we go again. Mm-hmm. Let's get the education out because even before this, the ProPublica reports, the New York Times reports, have on, on, before the, the recent 60 Minutes report, clearly exposed what was going on. Mm-hmm. The insurance industry was incentivizing doctors mm-hmm. to write cheap, generic, cheap open OEOs because that was the cheapest reimbursement mm-hmm. they
1: had. Cheap this drugs. This was
3: all about profit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go off the rails here. I really don't. I really don't want to go off the rails. But if you're going to a house of worship on Sunday or Saturday, and you're actually doing this,
6: mm-hmm.
3: yeah there's a problem. You've got to sooner or later understand who your maker is, <laughs> mm-hmm. because we'd have to stop the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: Well, the, I don't see it on that end of it. as a labor leader. I see it more as an organizi- as organizing the non-union guys to the union side because of our benefits and what we get. But I see it all the time. The guys will come in and goes, oh, I got hurt on that job. The guy said, well, either you be here or you'll be fired tomorrow. And, oh. and, and that's our biggest, you know, what we do as labor leaders is we give ourselves the package, the, the medical package to keep going. So if you do get hurt on the job or off the mm-hmm. job, it's just not when you get hurt. It's just more of a, and listen, I, I understand it. Who's been more beat up than me? In the steel business, is yeah you know, I I was out for four months. If I didn't have benefits, my house would have been gone. Everything would have been gone. and, so, you know, and, and you I understand it,
3: Kevin. The other thing is that we don't the people again. It's about education. But firing someone or reporting an injury and then or 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 any any of those things, firing someone for reporting a work injury or making a claim or not coming back for a work injury is a civil action. It opens the action. It opens them up to civil matter. People don't know about this, but if they put in, they make people afraid. And why wouldn't you be? Because you're you're injured. First of all, you're injured. You don't you have so much uncertainty. You're anxious. You could be depressed. You don't know where to go. And they're making you so afraid that it's even making it worse. And they're preying on an injured person.
5: Uh, and, and listen, it's it's driven by the insurance companies because mm-hmm. the more the less people get hurt out there working for you, they get a better better price. Kevin, why
3: why aren't we addressing the maximum compensation rate which is unconstitutional? Why aren't we addressing the fact that there's no cost of living adjustment? Why aren't we representative take this back? Why aren't we Jatting looking why aren't we looking at Act 57 where unemployment think about this. A contractor that employs your folks, employs your members. That contractor pays a premium for workers' compensation insurance. If in fact the insurance company denies that case, And they've done this they're denying the case because they know your guy who has a good work history is going to apply for unemployment that was paid by the employer and the citizen guess what after a year after I win that case the insurance company gets an offset for the unemployment that your member received think about that basically their responsibility their responsibility how's that word do they use that word a lot is subsidized by the citizens funding the unemployment. They don't pay the unemployment fund back. They don't pay the contractor back. They get an offset and they walk. But they're charging that contractor a certain premium for responsibility. Guess what? They didn't pay. The unemployment the unemployment paid. That fund paid their responsibility. Why isn't that changed? Why isn't that being heard? That's an injustice. That's an, unju- un- that's an unjust enrichment. That's a tort. Why aren't, we ha- why aren't these messages being heard? You know why? Because we don't have their money. We don't have their power. But we've got to start fighting back. This radio show is a platform. And I thank each and every one of you for being here. This radio show is the beginning of a platform to start getting the message out. We don't want anything unfair. We don't want anything unfair. We're very mindful of industry and in creating jobs. All right. And I can get into all that, and I can tell you you about the unfairness. We fought back on unfairness. We stopped the minimum compensation rate because it was unfair to industry. We were active in 1993 for Act 44 because there were some rogue doctors taking advantage of the system. There had to be some sort of checks and balances. We're talking about injured workers and lives. My clients are committing suicide, committing suicide. Let's hear their stories. Let's hear Keith Heckler's widow talk about him committing
2: suicide, blowing his brains out in the, his backyard on Easter Sunday. We're gonna th- in our next segment, we're going to talk more about uh, corporate greed. With uh, uh, Jim Gautler's going through in, in, with his members and, and, and a, a Goliath that you're negotiating with on a periodic basis. Uh, the, 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 we're talking about you know, uh, profits that are unimaginable. And yet you have to, and, and, and yet you're negotiating with, uh, you know, and and into a company that is so big that it's almost unimaginable, and they don't, and and they want to downsize and send jobs overseas.
1: Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable Conversation tonight. We come to you from the Senesta Hotel, 1800 Market Street. Uh, great conversation. Settle in as we take our final break uh, here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Back in a moment.
0: I believe there's room, okay, for the national building trades, the local building trades that have partnerships with the Trump administration as it pertains to energy, as it pertains to infrastructure, as it pertains to the undocumented worker.
1: Back here live on Saturday Night Live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks very much for tuning in to our Labor Leader Roundtable conversation tonight uh, as we come to you from the Sinesta uh, Hotel here on Talk Radio 1210
2: WPHT. So we were talking uh, with Sam Pine. We are talking about um, in the last segment, you know, what goes on. And it gets to the point, you know, with injured workers' issues with corporate greed and and, and, and the big insurance companies and uh talk we're gonna to talk to Jim Gar, who's the president of C W A thirteen thousand, about a Goliath that he has to deal with on a regular basis. Um and we've we've had done a couple of announcements uh you know for years and the, the numbers are astronomical. Tell us a little bit about your fight with A T and T. Right, so
8: so we've been in bargaining with AT and T now since uh the beginning of the year, January, February time frame and You know, it's nothing new to us. They're following the same script as some of the bigger corporations that are out there, which is, you know, they want our people to do more for less. They want to be able to offshore jobs. And they want people to continue to piggyback off what we just talked about, pay increased costs for their health care, and just gut what they currently have in place to help them when they do get hurt off the job, you know, on their own time. And, And, you know, there's a company that's out there that tries to promote themselves as this company that looks out for people in this country and hiring veterans and doing a lot. Well, these are people that put their lives on the line for us every day, and I'm wondering where are these veterans, what uh, military they're from, because apparently they're not from this country, and they must be hiring them in the other countries sure. where they're putting these people to work offshore, because our people are looking for these jobs, and they continue to look to send more and more of these call center jobs to other countries in India and Mexico. And these people, listen, they put in a tough day. Um, and a lot of them are commission-based. You know, they, they work off of sales. And they go out there, and this company doesn't want to pay them, yet they're still raking in billion dollars a month in profit.
2: And I was going to say that. Um, you're talking about health care. You're talking about um, jobs, sending jobs uh, overseas. Uh, talk about the kind of profits we're talking about here from a company. We're not talking about a company that's scraping by, uh, you know, just they're making billions per month. The CEO, I forget what he was making twenty six million a year or something crazy. Randall
8: Stevenson, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, he's he's cleaning up.
8: I mean, he's not struggling. He doesn't have to worry hey, about health care. By the way, not about healthcare.
2: I could care less if he's making fifty gazillion a year. Don't take, don't make it on the backs of the workers. Don't ask them to take a pay a a cut in pay. Take get rid of your benefits. And we've been, I mean, we've we've. You know we've made these announcements we've had you and ed mooney on the show several times uh when this when this stuff comes around i mean you're not asking for you know you're not asking for anything that that, that these men and women don't deserve
8: our members that work in this industry are looking for a good middle class living where they can raise a family buy a house basically have the american dream and you know corporations like this would Rather take that and make their profits off the backs of some low-wage, low-skilled individual from another country.
2: I mean, it's just actually—it's absolutely incredible. By the way, who built who built the company? In other words, the members had the members and the workers had a little bit to do with the success of AT and T. Am I they correct?
8: They built it. They continue to upgrade it, and it continues to evolve on the backs of the men and women that come to work every day that are members of the CWA, the IBEW. Um, you know, the the laborers that are out there to help build the infrastructure and the network. I mean, there's countless number of unions that are impacted by what they try to do by sending this work to, you know, different countries, different individuals, and and, and we try to fight it, and we try to make sure that that work stays here for our members. And we get a lot of assistance not only from the local politicians but from the state and the federal politicians. And, and, you know, the, the representatives have all been sending letters in supporting us on behalf of this fight with AT&T, notifying the CEO of AT&T, and putting him on we'll notice that enough's enough. Let's get this contract done.
4: Schleser, how tough's the fight? It is a tough fight, and I think on the whole conversation I with Jim said, with Sam said, with Fred, and I think it's like we're going backwards. Okay. I mean, we fought for everything. Working people over the, over the history of this country have fought for everything we have, for, for retirement, for health care, for good wages, and... For, for it's insane that now we have folks that want to take it away and give our folks less. People who are out there every day trying to raise a family, send their kids to school, bring food on the table, make sure everybody's healthy, and we're taking these things the way that people fought, fought every day for, and it's a disgrace. It's a shame.
6: It's like, um, you know, rebounding from the recession. So mm-hmm. you have Wall Street and big business that have rebounded, but they're not interested in seeing the yep. workers rebound. And I think that's the challenge. So not only are we writing letters, but it is a big fight, but we are also on picket lines mm-hmm. to where we have to hold these companies accountable. And also look into our coffers. Do, you th- do they have any contracts with the city of Philadelphia, any yeah. contracts with the state of Pennsylvania, and really hold mm-hmm. their feet to the fire? I mean, you know, Richard we were down at you know the airport fighting that exactly. fight, holding their feet to the fire to make sure they're doing right by their workers.
4: Any the other point? I mean, the good point to that is the Aloft Hotel over on mm-hmm. uh, on Broad Street. A ton of tax breaks supposed to create some over a hundred and something jobs, didn't create that many jobs. We got the community out there with Unite Here out there protesting um, because they're not they're getting all these tax breaks and they're not filing through. The city we we looked into it. We're not going to invest our pension money into the company that owns that hotel anymore because. If they're not going to follow up and they're getting all these tax breaks and they're not going to follow up to the agreement sure. they made with the state and the city, then why should we put pension dollars into something like that?
6: And that's why elections matter, because when you have a mayor in the office that is a friend of labor, understands labor, has a family that has gone through
7: labor, these are the type of actions that are taken.
1: Fred Wright, president of Aspie D.C. 47, your thought?
7: Well, you know, once again, it's, it's profitable over people. And, and mm-hmm. we have to get out the mentality of um, – taken away from the middle class, the working class and and, you know, idolized the, the profiteer of their country. I mean that's why Donald Trump was in the White House, because you had a president who ran, that he was smarter than everybody, he was a deal maker. And, you know, what this guy was known for when he built a land in the city, the building trade, he was paying people eighty cents on a dollar. He rooked everybody down there, mm-hmm. you know, and he didn't pay his tax. He bragged about it. he didn't pay his taxes. He didn't and even pay the contract. He didn't and, pay the contract. And people, you know, oh, he's smart. He was a dealmaker. No, he wasn't a dealmaker. I mean, to me, he was almost a crook. He was dishonest. The but, but you, know, we, you know, we idolized that.
4: Yeah, but he convinces folks, like you said, he convinces folks that,
7: he told them. people what they wanted He's to hear. Them. But, you know, at, at, at some point in time, you know, people have to take a stand and, and do what's right. And this, and this comes from, you know, the leadership. You know, when I'm talking the leadership, not only from the union leader, but also from our political leaders, like the mayor or the governor, who really sets the stage. I mean, I mean, right now, um, you know, my union have a negotiation with the city of Philadelphia um, for a contract for the white-collar work with the city of Philadelphia and the, and the employee of the first of the district. Um, you know, part of that negotiation was the pension plan. Yeah. You know, now this stuff was, you know, negotiated years ago. Um, all people putting their money time and time again. But, you know, this is a subject of bargaining. You know, as Sam said, you know, we have collective bargaining, so we can sit down at the table and collectively bargain with this stuff. But why should we have to defend that? You know, mm-hmm. why should we have to defend that? I mean, that's something that should be a right to ours that we should be entitled to. Right. So, I mean, we have to really break this mold about, you know, taking, taking, taking what people Fought hard for, fought years ago, sacrificed for. Mm-hmm. You know, people sacrificed years ago, gave concessions because they wanted a, a, a benefit in another area. Yep. You know, now we hear, you know, defending that benefit, and they really that's not right.
4: Yeah, and the rep, rep knows this better than anybody here. Is there's folks up in Harrisburg now that want to take the pen, you know, bargaining over pension out of the collective bargaining and mm-hmm. have the state make the decision. And that, how's that fair to the worker?
5: Absolutely, Kevin. Well, yeah, and. I don't see it as big as these guys do. AT and T, we don't really deal with that part of it. But to me, I think they big business is definitely they throw all their money into PR because once you start getting a higher standard, the first thing they do is go look what they're making. That's not that's why this company is going down, down, down. We have to off, off, offset their costs. We got to send the jobs overseas. Yeah. That's what they say all the time, and they get their message out there because listen. They do have a lot of things. They do have a lot of money going toward toward that. Because guess what? Ninety nine percent of these guys they have stockholders and they want their dividends. Oh yeah, and I, I, and, and I don't see that part of it. And but that's what I, as a labor leader I know it's part of it. But that to me that's what it is.
2: But also though the politicians, uh, you know, we we said earlier these deceptive terms like right to work, and uh, paycheck protection. I mean, who in the right mind? We're walking, you know. Uh, well, we heard Donald Trump say, it, "I like right to work." I mean, I bet you ninety nine point nine nine nine. Go for another hour. Don't don't know what it is. <laughs> it's the right to work. We call it the right to work for less. Right. What, Sam? What's That's, the last time he paid a bill?
5: Right, exactly. he doesn't pay a bill. He negotiates it down. Mm-hmm. Right, he never right. negotiates up. He's always going I, down.
2: I wonder how many times Jim Gartler's and Ed Mooney's uh, members were just working during the day, not bothering anybody, but working hard, going out to risk their lives in many cases, and just and all of a sudden went to a union meeting and said, "You know what? Let's just pick it to get the the, the CEO's twenty four million dollar uh, you know paycheck you know his annual. Let's, let's get that knocked in half." Probably never. They're not asking him to take his 25 mil a year down. Oh, we try,
8: just, we try it. We on a regular basis at the, shareholder meetings. The problem is they have so much control over the stock, the, the voting stock at these meetings, that you can't even come close to touching the money that they not only pay themselves, but what they pay to the board of directors. So they, they take care of
2: them. But all. my point is your you, your members are asking for health and retirement and a fair living wage, mm. Okay. I mean, it's, it's un-American to think somebody would be making $25 million a year and asking you to, take your, to you know, get rid of your health care.
7: But, but, you know, if I can add this, again, it's not just about, you know, organized labor, union labor. I mean, this is about the working class. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, whether you're in a in union or not union, if the working class that, you know, um, we're trying to protect. everyone's standard of living. So everyone needs a, a, a decent health plan, a decent paying job, um, sometimes job security. Um, because again, if, if if you have a community that you have 26 poverty rate, you have violence mm-hmm. in the street, you have you have crime, you have you have people being uneducated, you have you know you go, you gonna pay on the back end with incarceration. So you know what we're trying to do is, is uphold the social standard of this country. And why we're under attack every day, I don't know. But you know, people really need to educate themselves. To try to uplift themselves and upse- uplift their community.
6: And I also think, just one, this one last point, that we have to stop making it, it's the moral issue for you to do this right by your workers. No, your workers will come to, come to work healthier, they'll come to work ha- happy, be more productive, which makes you more productive, which makes your product better. That mm-hmm. is the reason why That's just why good business. Yeah, it's good business. That's just good business. It's not a moral you know, argument. We,
3: we talk about that in our office yesterday. I had a nutritionist come in, and I talk, not that I'm qualified, <laughs> but I talked about mindfulness. <laughs> We had a nutritionist to come in for two hours. You know, we we want to have our people engaged. Uh, we feel that, that that's our obligation. But... It also is going to help your bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to help the bottom line mm-hmm. of everybody if we have a strong middle class. But, mm-hmm. Sam, but Sam,
7: people don't believe in that no more. Henry Ford, who wasn't a, a, a great trade unionist mm-hmm. by no means, but he believes that every person that worked in his plant should have, a, have the ability but to buy for a product. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, right, somewhere along the line, we, you know, when we talked about the global economy, we didn't care about the, 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 the average person anymore buying buying a car or buying a house. We cared about profits, okay, mm-hmm. and about, you know, the, the, the CEO making millions of obscene um, money instead of really helping the worker and helping the community at large. Exactly. We lost our way. A, a, real, you know, a,
3: real, a real CEO, a real leader <laughs> is a servant. Mm. They're a servant. That's if Everybody here is a leader, and we're servants. The
1: bottom line is if you're really a good leader, you're serving your flock. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the bottom line. Everything else will take care of itself. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, our first Labor Leader Roundtable conversation tonight at the Sinesta uh, Hotel. What a great uh, night it was. Uh, with some great opinions and some great thoughts and some great conversation uh, from everyone. I want to go around the horn. Uh, I said uh, in the commercial break that everybody was going to get about 35 seconds. Everybody's going to get about 10 because uh, we're <laughs> up against the clock, 10 to 15 seconds. Uh, but let's start there. Jim, let me come uh, start with you. We'll go around the horn, give everybody a closing thought before we say goodnight.
8: Real quickly, thank you for having me on the show. And I'd like, just like to extend the condolences of Local 13,000 and personally myself out to Pat Bianco and his family. But most importantly, in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be asked to get out there, go to the polls, and vote. Vote to make some changes. Vote to make sure that we people don't understand our issues.
5: Kevin? Uh, Once again, I want to thank you for letting me come here. Uh, I know I just got in from Vegas, but thank you anyway. (laughs) And I just want to give a shout-out to our members who donated or are going to donate $5,000 to – the Hurricane Relief Fund through the inter- our International, which will go strictly to the people from Houston, Miami, and Puerto, San- Rico. Puerto Rico.
7: Fred, um, again, thank you for having me. I enjoyed being here. I'm having a discussion with my fellow labor leaders and elected officials. Um, I'd just like to, you know, shout out to the members of AFITUCOM 47. All the members of district 47, and you know, hopefully, all- um, you know. Wishing that we get a contract from the mayor pretty soon. That's,
2: That's why we're really ambitious. <laughs> uh, let's go. To well, what do you say, Rich? <laughs> <laughs>
1: City of Philadelphia, Rich Laser. Rich, nah, last thank you, thoughts.
4: thank you again for having me on the show. I always look forward to coming back. I'm- Continue to be on this show, and I think it's a great, a great show. I just want to give a big shout out to the city of Philadelphia and PIDC, specifically the Commerce Department, Harold Epps and, and John Grady, for putting a great proposal together for for Amazon to send out there. As everybody knows, 50,000 jobs, $100,000 average salary, and uh, five billion in, in capital improvements and in, in construction. I think it's a big thing for the city if we can pull that in. It would be amazing. And I uh, just want a big, big shout out again to the city and to PIDC to on State that. State Rep. Morgan Cephas.
6: Don't forget the hashtag Philly Delivers. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Philly delivery. <laughs> I just want to thank you guys for having me on. i am uh, been in 10 months, uh, 192nd, represent neighborhoods over in West Philadelphia. Well, you're not a rookie in politics. Uh, no, I'm not. I've I got, I got some years behind me, but um, I just want to thank you for having me on. Thank you for allowing me to be a voice and hear the voices of labor. And I feel like that is extremely critical right now because we are in some trying times, but we also have some opportunities to grow as a city. We have a lot of great things coming to Philadelphia as well as the Commonwealth. We just need to make sure we're building those pipelines and making sure that we do right by labor and get it right.
1: Last word tonight, Sam Pond.
3: Well, uh, thank you, everyone. I think this was a wonderful show. It's the first of many to come, and uh, we're going to educate. Uh, we're going to we're going to advocate, uh, and we're going to make sure that uh, we deliver on the promise of labor. And also, I want to thank each and every one of you for your service, not only as being labor leaders but also public servants. And uh, looking forward
1: to more shows. Thank you, and good night. All right, good thank stuff you. from uh, all. Uh, participating tonight at the Labor Leader Roundtable Conversation um, here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Stay tuned for the Dan Loney Show. He's up at uh, the top of the hour uh, on behalf of J-Doc, on behalf of Sam Pond, on behalf of everyone uh, in the building tonight for our, our roundtable. I'm Joe Krause. I'll see you next time.
0: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.